This is Robert Merdlanchi of the Mindshare Learning Report, Canada's Learning and Technology e-magazine. And welcome to This Week in Canadian EdTech, Mindshare TV live uh, podcast edition with uh, Claudio Mucha, who is the Research and Development Architect at Zebra, based in Denmark. They recently released a fascinating interactive mixed-media-wise journal, and uh, we were actually part of the video uh, interview a couple of years back. Claudio, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for the invitation. Very happy to be here. I hope uh, you and your family are healthy and well. Yes, thank you. I hope the same to you. Well, a little bit about Claudio. He is, as I said, the research and development architect. Uh, he has a master's of architecture from Polisinico di Milano, um, pardon my Italian, uh, mm-hmm. in, uh, in Milano. Um, and you did uh, some fascinating uh, research around learning environments as part of your master's degree, and kudos to you for that. We'll ask you a little bit about that. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Zebra, uh, which um, you, you can all uh, pop that into our uh, stream. And um, I understand that you employ a multidisciplinary international staff of more than 65 architects, instructing architects, urban planners, landscapes, um, and you are throughout the world. You've done work with uh, Lego, which is a client of ours as well, head head office in in Denmark with branch offices uh, in in Copenhagen and Abu Dhabi, UAE. Um, And then after uh, years in the making, today we are extremely pleased to uh, be one of the first interviews, I presume, uh, with your new WISE journal. That's exactly right. Um, thank you so much, Robert, for this opportunity. Um, you already covered quite a lot about Zebra and, uh, and, and the company that is behind this, uh, this mixed media journal. Um, I just want to show briefly a few projects going through some of the uh, variety that we, we work here at Zebra, from master plan to small scale um, buildings. And these are some of our um, projects in Canada where we are kind of like very motivated to, to work with also local architects. Um, we always like to collaborate with local architects because we believe it brings the best out of, out of us and as architects as, and as humans. This is a project we recently won for the University of Toronto. Congratulations. Uh, it's a, thanks. It's a, one of the new instructional centers uh, of the university. And maybe we can talk a bit more about yeah. it. But these are a few images. And another project of ours in Canada is... Um, this one called uh, Broadview. It's a mixed mixed use uh, project, quite uh, quite large. Um, and maybe the interesting thing about Zebra that I would like to mention today is that the company was born to work on a project that uh, had to reimagine 13 schools in Denmark. Uh, these schools need to be reimagined in terms of learning, in terms right. of how can we shift from the more traditional uh, lecture-based sort of like uh, instruction to more right. project-based instruction. And this happened 20 years ago. And this was kind of like one of the reasons why the company was, was born and one of the drivers of the company. What a, what a massive shift it is to go from the industrial model to these new innovative learning spaces. And, you know, it, it doesn't happen overnight. And it's really uh, inspiring to see the work that you've done 
and understanding. And like we embrace here, the future work and learning, you see my background here, there's <laughs> no front of the classroom. It's, it's totally flexible learn, work and learning space. And, and the, this is what's being infused now into the schools, uh, but it doesn't happen at the pace we would like necessarily. That's right. That's right. I think the, um, one of the things that inspires us as architects is uh, to start shifting the mindset from thinking about teaching to starting about learning. And, and when we see that all of the abundance of information that we have online today, then we kind of uh, have to think, okay, what is it that really we have to learn at school nowadays? If it's not uh, information anymore, then maybe what, 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 what we need to learn and what we need to train are those transferable skills, uh, those skills that can be used in more than one context, at work, at school, or with your family. Fascinating. So, I saw some of your research that highlighted... Um, 16% of the alert learning uh, is attributed to the environment that you create for students. Right, to the physical uh, classroom. So this is a research that was conducted by Professor Peter Barrett from, uh, from Manchester, and they analyzed thousands of classrooms, and they were able to extrapolate, to, to put a number, because it's, there is very little evidence out there on how much space actually impacts learning. But Professor right. Brad, Professor Brad was able to actually put a number in it, and it's as you said, it's sixteen percent of the variation of the learning progress over a year is due to the physical environment of the classroom. So this is just over a year. If you imagine all the years that students spent in, uh, in schools, right? Incredible. Now, are are we making progress? I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I mentioned earlier that it's never quick enough, but um, are countries' school systems tuning in? to the, the work that you do and others around inspirational uh, learning environments? I think that's a very good question. And um, the general feeling is yes. But on the other hand, if you look at um, some of the recent surveys in Australia and, and, and New Zealand, for example, um, they found out that 75% of teachers still teach in traditional ways. And, uh, wow. And wow. That, and that corresponded in 75% of classrooms that are still in rows and facing the teacher. In, what percentage in did you say are still in rows? 75%. So it, it corresponds with, uh, yeah. with the, the, the amount of teachers that teach. Right. Actual -based. Now, now, the pandemic uh, was an inspiration for uh, one of the most innovative periods in modern times in education because of necessity. Dr. S uh, Steve Jordans, who happens to be a psychology professor, I believe you know him from uh, yes. University of Toronto Scarborough, talked about the threat of the great snapback, if you will, uh, to, for teachers to go back to the old way. Who would have imagined 100% of educators embrace tech-infused pedagogy in the last couple of years? Right. The, the, and, and, and that's another reason why we tend to think of COVID as an accelerator in a way, right. which, makes, which makes perfect sense. And I think one of the main opportunities that schools and teachers, um, I think, have now that we went through this uh, crazy experience of the pandemic is to, to maybe embrace the fact that you can easily transfer knowledge online. Uh, maybe you can easily deliver a, a lecture right. via video and students can, can watch that, that lecture multiple times. But then why don't we take this as an opportunity to use the moments right. when we meet, to, mo to, to use the moments when we are in the classroom, in the physical space together 
to use that opportunity to, to, to discuss and to analyze and to review knowledge instead of just absorbing it by Absolutely. Talk. The notion of challenge-based learning, or I really like this concept that you talk about is active learning, getting kids outdoors, bringing the classroom outside. We've seen some of that. We had one of our schools of the future challenge winners we visited in Sudbury, Ontario, that yeah. had a classroom outdoors, that furniture outdoors, uh, Smith System, one of our partners in the schools of the future, future challenge is creating outdoor furniture for learning as well. Let's talk perhaps about the value of active learning. And you are going out to play soccer later tomorrow morning. <laughs> I'm playing hockey. It's about embedding it in your lifestyle and your your workflow, if you will. Absolutely. Uh, the research uh, the research on active learning is it's very fascinating, I I think. And um, one of the main um, one of the main re researchers that 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 has kind of like uh, gone deeper into active learning is um, Freeman, Professor Freeman. And um, actually, Professor Freeman was able to again put a number in uh, what's the difference between active learning and passive learning. And it turns out that students that are learning actively, students that are engaged into the discussion and into the learning uh, activities, um, they they tend to perform better than students that are teached with traditional ways of instruction. And actually, uh, when students are teached traditionally, they are 1.5 times more likely to fail into their exams. So I think that's a huge difference. And another another interesting point about active learning is that actually right. students, they, they believe they are not learning more when they are active because sometimes when you have to engage into a discussion, sometimes when you have to be participant, it's not easy. It's it's easier mm. to be on your on your phone and to, and to and to be distracted. But when right. you have to engage, that's becomes sometimes tough. And therefore they believed it was better to 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 receive passive uh, you know, delivery of information. Interesting. Fascinating. Let, let's pivot now for a moment and let's uh, talk about uh, the inspiration around the Wise Journal, which it, it was a while in the making, wasn't it? Yes, I think it took uh, more or less three and a half years, perhaps, because in, in we have been working it for almost five years, but in between we've had periods where we had to kind of transform this knowledge into a project. That's, that's when we did the competition for the Instructional Center of the University of Toronto and other projects. So it's well, more or less. Yeah. Congratulations and thank you for the, uh, the downloadable uh, journal, uh, digital journal. Now, it, let, let's talk about the composition of it because it right. is leading edge. We publish an e-magazine. Uh, it's our 15th anniversary this year. And from the get-go, uh, I started embedding video and, and interactive podcasts, and and you've gone beyond that. So talk to me about the inspiration of that. Yes, I think uh, one thing we realized is that we are in a journey, in a journey to uh, to investigate and to look into the unknown. Uh, we don't want to base our, our 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 design into knowledge that we already have gathered through the years. We of course want to use that as as a baseline, but we are very much interested in what is going to happen rather than what has happened. We know that 40% um, of the core skills of employees are going to change in the next five years. So how can we cope with this incredible uh, fast-paced society? How can we cope with this incredible transformation that, that is happening? And for us, that is one of the drivers behind this journal, that is being curious, being curious about um, disciplines that are not necessarily in our own uh, field of expertise. That, that, that's why we have interviewed 
professors of psychology and and business leaders and vice presidents of workplace in these very large companies around the world. It's because uh, we are very curious to find out the relationship between architecture, people, and society. We, we want to create a beautiful architecture. We want to create sustainable architecture. And at the same time, we want to create spaces that are conducive to learning and to work. We have found that uh, the, the learning system and the work system are, are sort of like overlapping uh, in many ways. We like to speak about this as work at school and learn at work. Uh, you know very well the, the fact mm -hmm. that many, many of us have to kind of keep up to date with uh, new ways of working and with new sort of like skills that emerge in our sectors. So we Absolutely. are lifelong we, learning. We, uh, and, and we embrace that here at the Mindshare Workspace where we have co-working and co-learning. Mm -hmm. We have co-op students from high school. We have university interns. And, and you know, we, we worked with one particular student who uh, spent a couple of years with us through a ICTC skills development program at the not-for-profit at the federal level, recognizing that there's such a shortage of I, IT skilled women in mm -hmm. tech that, uh, you know, we invested and, and now we hired a student full-time upon graduation. So unless employers start realizing that you need to, it's not just a job, that it's a, it's a partnership, if you will, right? Where it's a Absolutely. reciprocal uh, arrangement where they're learning, you're working, and you, and you are both winning. Uh, and obviously, they need to be paid a reasonable uh, <laughs> wage as well. But that's where you get the retention. You know, yes. uh, there's a lot of organizations now in Canada struggling because if they're working remotely and there's no culture, there's no learning, what's the value that you're offering beyond the paycheck, right? And that's, that's why there's question. so much there, there's so much movement happening today uh, and re employee retention. And I'm not sure if it's a similar situation where you are in Denmark, but it's happening here across the country in, in North America. Yes, I think uh, it's the same situation also here, of course. Um, employee retention is a big challenge that many businesses are, are facing. And um, this is another motivation actually behind the journal. Our motivation is to make clients understand certain qualities that architecture can bring into their organization. We like to speak about a well-being per square meter instead of cost per square meter. Wow, so, that's, that's an interesting notion. Yes, we, we, are, we are convinced and we have tried to gather um, facts and sort of like research studies about this in this journal. That, um, that, 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 that shift the emphasis from, as I said, cost to well-being. And what, what does well-being and, and happiness and, 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 and mm -hmm. you know, like having a nice time at work mean for a company? We know that 90% of the cost of a business are actually employee costs, like the salaries and the benefits. Right. Therefore, therefore, that's where the well-being uh, per square meter becomes important for us, instead of speaking about cost. So I'm looking at your introduction, and uh, it's nicely laid out. I, I love the design thinking around this publication, uh, focus on work innovation space and, and education. And um, you really embrace learning, and you've, um, you've really been immersed in Canada. And talk to me about the Canadian market and your project at the University of Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So one thing to say about the structure of the publication 
is that uh, we like to think about it as a curiosity maze. So we hope that while you go through these uh, essays and through these case studies, you can kind of get lost and get inspired by something that you stumble upon. That's why there's not a very strict sort of like way of reading it. You could kind of jump around and get inspired by different things. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, we, we are kind of like uh, provocative in, in, in that way with the way that the publication is. Is, is structured but well don't mind me you keep talking while i'm exploring the publication okay absolutely mind. yeah the, speaking about the um, experience we have in canada it has been very positive it has been very positive since the first stages we have when doing competitions and rfps as i said we are really keen on working with with, with local architects and um, the project for the instructional center two of the university of toronto was uh, was very interesting because there was some hints um, towards the fact that the, the brief of the competition was asking for active learning spaces. There were, let's say, seven classrooms were meant to be active learning based and other 14 were sort of like in between being traditional based and, and collaborative. What we did is that we pushed the brief. We pushed the brief um, to such an extent that many of the classrooms that were not meant to be collaborative ended up being actually right collaborative and, and active. And um, I, I could share some some slides about the, that project as well, uh, if you want. Yeah, let's let's do that. I'm going to stop it's... sharing. I was enjoying flipping through the uh, the digital book, but uh, well, I, I'll pop you back in. Yes, it's just because I think it, it speaks a lot about what, what me and you are, 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 are trying to cover here, right. which is how to transform the ideas about new ways of learning into space. And uh, this is an example where what we were asked was to design a 500-seat lecture hall that could have looked more or less like this. And right. We saw many, uh, many, many negative aspects about certain type of layouts. For example, the distance of the person sitting at the end of the room to the teacher. And uh, as we said about, if we want and if we believe that engagement uh, and, and participation in, in the learning process are important, then we, we thought this, this layout was not working with us. So what we tried to do is that we proposed to uh, rearrange the classroom in a round instead. Um, so you can see the before and after. This was what we, what we it was asked, and this is what we did. Fascinating. And uh, a lot of things happen once you do this operation. Uh, one thing is that the distance of the last row to the teacher uh, becomes much smaller. Therefore, um, students are almost in the social space of, of their peers and the teacher instead of being far away. And then they have a much better view of the screens. And, and another thing that happens is that you start creating uh, many visual contacts between students uh, that sit across, across each other. And, and we know that um, facing a person uh, increases the chance of you interacting with that person. So if right. our, if our goal is to uh, stimulate engagement and stimulate discussions, we believe that this, this layout was much better. And after a lot of meetings, after a lot of discussions with the professors, and there was a, a huge user, user involvement process in this, in this project, which we're very happy about. And, and what we was the response up. like? What was the response like? The, the response was positive, but also there were some challenges from the professors, which was one of them was that they, were, they felt uncomfortable to have their back sort of like unprotected uh, and and there is many explanation to 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 that and uh, there is I, a theory i, yeah, I get called, that 
yeah, exactly, called the prospect refuge theory, which kind of like uh, makes us understand their, their point. But what we were able to do is that we were able to accommodate um, both uh, the layout where the teacher sits at the center or like stands at the center and another layout, which is a variation of this layout, which is more like a horseshoe layout, where still you have uh, right. one, two, three sides of, of this of this layout. Sure, brilliant. Now, now, now uh, is that a re revolving stage or would the, the professor just simply walk around it? I, I, th I think we are, uh, we were into the middle of the sort of like technical aspects about how to do this. Um, yeah. But I think this, the, 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 the podium from what I kind of like was involved and, and, and now I'm not sure what it ended up being, but the podium was supposed to move in, in the rail. So it could move from the center yeah. to the edge of the room. So, so next time you come to Toronto, I'll take you to the CN tower for lunch that has a revolving <laughs> 360 restaurant. So in, in one hour it rotates. So I just had that vision, which would be kind of cool. It would keep the retention. Right. right. It would gradually rotate. Uh, yes. That sounds definitely very engaging. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I should put a patent on that. Yes. The Martellacci effect. Uh, <laughs> cool. So yeah, um, lastly, the, the, the last thing I wanted to show is this other classroom that was supposed to be a collaborative classroom for 200 students. Um, again, we saw some negative um, points with this layout, which, for example, the, the students that face, that, that sit in this group of tables of four, it will be uh, kind of hard for them to see the, the, the blackboards or the screens. So we, we pushed the, again, we pushed the brief there and we said, why don't we think of another type of of booth of, 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 of group and, uh, and we, we investigated many many possibilities and we ended up um, we ended up with this layout where students are still in groups and they still feel sort of like protected right. in their own group but at the same time they are facing the front uh, of, of the room and as we showed here you can you can easily be all like uh, sitting a bit more close and, and look at the front or you can uh, move a bit more around the table and have more like a project work or a more collaborative. Yeah. Collaborative, and, yeah. 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 Brilliant. So this was and another so, challenge. So where are you in the um, construction phase for this particular project right now? I can't wait to visit and tour. Yeah, I think um, I think we are kind of like uh, well well ahead, um, and we were recently discussing about the type of furniture. So I think the Fantastic. sort of like. Yeah, the structure is, is, is getting there, but now we're thinking of the, the furniture as well in, in parallel. So that's how the classroom is supposed to look, hopefully. And another thing that happens here is that the acoustics of the rooms become much, much better, as right. you can imagine, from having this sort of protected it, back. It looks really inspiring, some, some a place that you'd want to go to. I mean, you know, where, where did we go wrong? Where, where did, you know... Where do we go wrong in all this? Because uh, when you go back to the early beginnings of learning, you were outdoors. It was collaborative. You were gathering. Uh, I remember in university, we would gather with our professors in lounges. And, and is it simply because of mass numbers, sheer numbers, that the most logical thing to do was tiered seating, straight row desks, etc.? I think that's a, that's a good question. To be honest, I'm not sure if I can answer that, but um, yeah. I think it's probably because of how much we have been focused to speak about numbers in our society and yeah. speak about efficiency and 
not only efficiency, but as I said, cost and and how to and also like the whole like modern movement um, was was probably uh, guilty for some of the lack yeah. of sensory stimuli that we can see in some of these spaces that we're trying to to propose here. So I have a question for you around how COVID has impacted uh, the design thinking for the future work and learning uh, environments. Yes, we have seen um, quite a few changes, of course, obviously. Uh, the main one is uh, fitting into the agenda that we spoke earlier about project-based learning. And as we said, once teachers uh, realized that uh, they could easily deliver a lecture online, uh, we expect many, many new uh, competition briefs, many new uh, design briefs to be more oriented towards the collaborative aspects of learning rather than still, you know, have uh, huge lecture halls that are still in, in, in rows for 500 students. Um, we hope that, that that's, that's going to change after, after COVID. And another thing that is interesting to mention, I believe, mm -hmm. is how certain classrooms can be double programmed to also act as recording studios. Because what will happen most likely is that some students will still uh, maybe be, uh, stay home uh, some days for many reasons. Therefore, how can we include them in the classroom activities that is that are going to probably happen in in presence with with the rest of the students and the teacher? So this sort of idea of transferring the physical classroom into a digital environment, I think it's right. Possible. So the notion yeah. of hybrid learning is that something that exactly. uh, that that uh, universities, college, and school systems should be adapting to. Uh, what what's your sense? I think uh, I think you're right on that, and we can see a comparison with uh, work. What's happening in workplaces is something very similar. The need for hybrid meetings is is becoming uh, exponential. I mean, there was the idea of having meeting rooms that that were also connected uh, digitally, but now when we see uh, what clients are asking for their workplaces is reducing the size of the meeting rooms because uh, many people are working from home, but making them able to still be part of the meeting room. So, so the, the hybrid work, the hybrid meeting and the hybrid learning, I feel, I believe are gonna be there and are gonna be a very solid part of, of buildings. How, talk to me about um, the, um, the t technology uh, piece in how you see technology being infused. You know, there's VR, there's AR, there's interactive screens that right behind me. Um, <laughs> how do you integrate all these tools and how do you prepare for, you know, a future that we don't necessarily know? Yeah, I think there's two interesting aspects to mention here. One I would like to, to mention is what we as architects have been doing uh, to deal with technology or to deal and to embrace technology. Um, together, I mean, one of the aspects of working here at Zebra, besides working on the journal, for me, it has also been to work in a tech startup that Zebra uh, started uh, three years ago, which is called oh, wow. Common Sense. Yes. Um, the, this, this, this project is a pilot project of, of the WISE journal and the goal, and it has the same goal, which is to find out which type of architectural qualities are conducive to learning and to, and to work. But we, we do this with, with technology and we do this by using sensors. So we place sensors in spaces that can, that can track environmental qualities, for example, daylight, 
they can track uh, noise, they can track temperature, and they can also track if people are sitting close to that area by using vibration sensors. So then uh, our goal is to, to use this big data and to correlate this data in order to match which type of environmental qualities are the ones that are more preferred by people and what are these conditions and how can we use these conditions as architects to generate better spaces and conducive environments. So this is one aspect I, I think that's very important regarding technology. Fascinating. And um, so what's next for you? What, um, uh, you're, you, so are you still immersed in the, the startup as well? Yes, I'm, I'm working in both projects at the same time. But I think a very important part now uh, for me, it's going to be to get out there and, and, and try to disseminate what, uh, what we have learned and what we have gathered in, in the journal, but also by designing, by actually doing and practicing the architecture profession. profession. So I interviewed recently Mark Prensky, the, the, the thought leader who talked about the, uh, the, the uh, digital immigrant and digital native. And one of the things he talked about was uh, the fact that students need to gain experiences and build on the skills that they've garnered to, he released a new book recently, and it's those skills you garner that will help direct your path to where you want to pursue a, a, a post-secondary or higher ed degree and a career. You have a unique uh, journey that you've had uh, being immersed in architecture. And what what would you say to students who are and, and you know school counselors who advise students on a regular basis that it's not just lawyer, doctor, accountant, policeman, you know, I thought it was going to be a hockey player. That was my trajectory. And I played at a high level, but uh, <laughs> against Wayne Gretzky, but I, I ended up going to university and was first in my family as Italian immigrants, which uh, that's your background as well. But it's really important to nurture and expose your kids to opportunities to gain skills and knowledge. It's I not just a teacher it's not just the teacher's job in this. It's a, it's a partnership, if you will. No, I think it's, it's a beautiful question. And I believe that if we continue to go in this path where students work more project-based and, and, and are not just passive absorbing some, some sort of information, if we, believe, uh, if we believe and go in this journey, I think there will be a higher chance of students realizing their potential, of students realizing maybe the area or the discipline that they are more interested in, and then pursuing that, uh, that, 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 that quality that they like, being that if it's a research-based or deep work, or maybe being a you know, complete opposite, maybe someone will realize that they really enjoy speaking in public and they really enjoy presenting some project to, to others. I think this necessarily will uh, increase, as I said, the chance of someone uh, like a student or a young adult being able to find their their drive or you know their their passions so i, I think that education has a big role uh, i mean i mean also schools and, and teachers have, have a big role here as well to, to so, guide students brilliant talk to me about creativity imagination uh in the learning process and i love the notion of appealing to all senses because the more you appeal to students senses 
uh, you know, a professor or and president of the University of ASU. They had a smart city summit, uh, which was quite fascinating. He said, learning is an emotional process. The more connected you can be to that learner and appeal to those senses, the, the more powerful that impact is going to be. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, as architects, we are obviously curious about senses and, and how to stimulate senses in a way to, to generate a positive outcome. And um, typically, architects are more sort of like focused into the indoor climate and are focused into getting right the temperature and getting right the, you know, the daylight and getting right the fresh air. But what is interesting about the journal and this, uh, this research project that we, we are sort of like pursuing is that we look into other parts of sensory stimuli that are usually neglected. For example, we are very interested in how scents can, can impact our moods, our behaviors, and our well-being. There is a very uh, interesting studies about certain smells. For, for example, the comparison between lavender and rosemary. They have been found to have uh, opposite um, effects. So people were uh, able to focus more and were more alert when they were in, in the presence of rosemary uh, smell compared to being um, exposed to lavender, where they felt more drowsy and sleepy. So this is right. just one aspect. And there is more to it. For example, uh, colors. Colors can have um, incredible impact on, on learning and, and nature and all right. the aspects about biophilic design and natural materials and, and then sounds. Well, fascinating. It's not surprising that your colors in that screenshot there mimic some of the colors we have here. And it's, uh, that's a comment we often get is that when I come to the Mindshare workspace, I feel inspired. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and that's important, know, right? We need to, you know, as leaders in work and learning, we need to be mindful of creating those, especially in trying to get your, your team back and welcoming students back. I want to share something with you that you'll mm -hmm. find very interesting. Uh, our schools of the future challenge that we're launching our, our, our 14th year now, um, is, is quite interesting. Uh, last year's winners, and I'm going to showcase them here, from uh, Archwood Elementary, these girls in middle school redesigned their school to scale in Minecraft in uh, okay. Louis Riel School Division. And um, they were, as part of the challenge, they, they made it LEED certified. They designed it in Minecraft. They had a, 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 a learning commons. They put in a... a a, a vegetable garden. They had a First Nations um, uh, prayer area outdoors. And uh, they also had, um, you know, a daycare they implemented. The superintendent, uh, Christian Mischlick uh, of Louis Riel School Division, when we shared and announced they won, said, I'm sharing this video with the architects because I want them in to infuse some of your ideas within uh, the school renovation. How, how inspiring would that be for middle school kids? I think that's, uh, that's awesome. And I think um, I love this idea of the challenge that you have created with your, uh, with your initiative because it brings sort of, it also raises the bar for the students and the teachers that are going to encounter these, these winners. And they're saying, okay, if these guys right. did this this year, what can we do next year? And, and it's, of course, inspiring for Absolutely. everybody. And now this year we're infusing the sustainable development goals from the UN 
and asking students and to work with their teachers to solve a real world challenge uh, with tech-based solutions within their school community. So perhaps we'll get you involved in it. Uh, sounds like there might be some synergy there. It will be wonderful. I think it's, again, a great idea to incorporate the bigger picture into, into learning. And that makes all activities more relevant and, and drives motivation in students, for sure. Claudio, I'm, I'm so grateful of your time today. And uh, we've gone well beyond our time, but uh, fascinating conversation. Congratulations on the launch of the Wise Journal. How could so uh, how could interested the folks get a hold of it? Well, uh, you can either search on Apple Books for it if you just mm -hmm. search the Wise Journal, or um, you can go at www.wise-journal.com, and you can find it as a PDF as well. With that, thank you again, Claudio. Thank you, Robert. That was Claudio Mucho from Zebra uh, Architecture. My name is Robert Marglacci of the Mindshare Learning Report, Canada's Learning Technology e-magazine. Be sure to check out WW Mindshare Learning to get your latest issue and uh, learn more about Zebra. And until next time, stay healthy, stay safe, and keep the learning curve steep.